Hi there, and welcome to everybody watching the live Wednesday Bulletin. I am joined by Adam Robertson today. How are you doing, Adam? Yeah, good, thanks, man. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. It's, it feels like it's been a while since I've been on a pod with you. I know it has. Since I stepped down from hosting duties, I don't <laughs> see everyone as, as often, so it's nice, to, it's nice to be back on. I know, definitely when, when you left it, the bar for, for the hosting was, was lowered, my man, oh, but uh, <laughs> there, there we go, and uh, of course we've got a bronze medalist, Shug, returning, Shug was away over in Vancouver, Canada um, for the 2023 World Wheelchair Curling and came back with a bronze for Scotland. Yeah, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, yeah, magnificently proud of having another bronze medal. <laughs> I still haven't got a gold. But no, it genuinely was good. Uh, but unfortunately, I managed to pick up COVID. And um, oh. I like to say I'm nearly back on my feet, but that would be a miracle that not even getting over COVID would happen. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm starting to feel better now. I think I'm, I'm on the good side of it now. That's good. And I'm just going to bring up a wee comment from AG here. Hate the international break. You'll be pleased to know that's the only mention that Scotland will be getting on this podcast, I think, for, for the whole time. So no bother. Um, look, obviously, I think we all know it's a bit of a, a quiet news week with, with Rangers being the international break. So we're going to try um, maybe have a look at some few wee things today. Um, obviously, we've got on this day. I'll come to that in a wee second. Um, I want to talk about Ali McCoist's comments um, and the, the media about closing the gap with, with Celtic, see with the guys if they agree with them. Um, on that one, it's I don't know putting out that people might not agree with Alan McCoy. It's that just feels wrong saying it. Um, maybe have a wee look at look at what success looks like for Rangers. Maybe this season, next season. I've already had quite a lot of interesting comments with that. I'm going to try and split it up into to four sort of bits. Um, we'll maybe look at trophies, maybe the players, um, the youth setup, and <laughs> and the the off the field stuff in terms of the boardroom. Um, and you know, if we've got time to it, we'll maybe come on to um, the the Cantwell sort of media narrative. Um, and I want to maybe talk about Zach Lovelace and Nico Raskin is the other one we'll maybe come to at the end as well. But as always, like to start with a wee on this day. I'll come to you first one uh, on this, Adam. And it's uh, on this day in 2010, uh, nine-man Rangers won the League Cup in a 1-0 win over St Mirren at Hamden. We've got Kenny Muller. Um, scored that goal and a, a late, late, late goal um, after uh, Kevin Thompson and Danny Wilson were, were both sent off. That was Rangers 26 League Cup and we went on to win our 53rd league title uh, that year as well. Just want to give a shout out to WTP72RFC on Twitter for that because that's where I got all these stats. Adam, what was your, your memories of, of, of that game um, in, in that day? Uh, yeah, just ridiculous result and game all round really. I mean I think I think even a, a ten man Rangers, most people would probably still think had it in them to dominate a team and, and probably win the game. But at nine men you're thinking probably I don't know, your heart sort of sinks and then it's just made more ridiculous by the fact that they weren't even up one nil when they went down to nine men. I mean that I mean, it would still be very, I'm not saying it would be easy to hold on to a, a lead with nine men, but I think to sort of somehow be able to pick yourselves up and still be able to to score uh, is it's just testament to the, the mentality of the team at the time. I mean, I, I can't think there's many other finals across 
world football, really. Certainly not to, to my mind where that's happened. So, yeah, it's funny as well, just looking at the lineups. Just, I mean, looking at the St. Mirren lineup, Jack Ross is playing right yeah. back. It feels, feels weird. It's a decade, it's over a decade ago now, and um, he's now a manager. So, yeah, good, good memories, but also just, you know, heaven forbid everything just goes simple for once. <laughs> yeah, that's that is uh, the most Rangers of of cup wins. And uh, Shug John Weir's to put the Pigeon Cup final. I, I totally, <laughs> I totally forgot about that. But um, yeah, that was just like the epitome of a of a Walter Smith team at that. I remember, I remember Wilson getting sent off, and then is 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 well, his boy, it's Walter's called him. You know, Kevin Thompson getting sent off as well. And I was just like, oh, I don't know. And then I. I I just had that thing in me. I just I didn't think we were going to lose that that final. And obviously, Kenny Miller stepped up with that late late goal. What, what was your memories of of that day and in, in that team in that game? Yeah, um, I was definitely most definitely a pessimist. We went down to nine. I was like, I can't see it's winning this. But mm. I guess it was more afterwards. I think I think there's been more than one player come out and said that was like you say that epitome of Walter Smith. We also used to see them in the director's box and maybe coming out of the dugout and stuff like that a couple of times, but he was literally on the touchline the whole game. Yes. Um, the whole of the nine-man bit, and he was directing everybody, telling everybody where he'd be the whole time, and he just didn't stop that whole second half. He was just constantly on the go, and it was his cup final. It was his man management of the players, yes. and the fact that the players would have run through brick walls for him I just don't know of any other manager in what history would have got that from the players. It just epitomises the fact that he is, in my mind, the greatest manager we've ever had. And that cup final, just that's what I remember most about it, is just his man management and the way he sees the game. And I think if we'd been down to eight men nowadays, I think Walter would still get a win off them. So. <laughs> That's how confident I'd be with Walter. I know that's that. It's uh, there's. I don't. I do you know? What? I can't think of any other game apart from Ufa that Rangers have won that they've had. They've had nine nine men in the pitch. Oh, yeah, so course, yeah. I, I, it's literally the only other game that that comes to mind. And I'm going to bring up a wee comment from Robert Robertson here. He said we have another Wilson that needs sending off. Oh boy, have we <laughs> we got some stuff to talk about that for for later on. But um, look, I'll come to you, Adam, on this. Obviously, we had Rangers legend Ali McCoy has been doing the rounds in the media. Um, I think it was actually for, for the international break coming up. But as per, he's, he's been talking about, about Rangers. Just to be quote here, just to read off. Um, he's talking about Michael Beale. And this is going to be so difficult to do without having to <laughs> try an impression of Ali McCoy. But he says, <laughs> I, think, I think he's done well. I really do. I definitely think the gap is closed. He's only dropped two points. That's excellent. Absolutely excellent. There's a train of thought that Celtic just slightly have the advantage at this moment, but I don't think the gap is what it once was. The League Cup final, there wasn't a lot in it. Celtic probably just the better team. The game at Ibrox 2-2 at New Year. Celtic started well, but Rangers probably should have won. He'll know himself, Michael. He's just got to tweak it a little bit. He's obviously... He'll obviously look to strengthen without giving up this year, which I don't think for a minute he will do or has done. He'll know that he'll need to make changes in the summer. Now it's difficult to to disagree with. I think a lot a lot of what he said there, but I mean, what what do you make of of what McCoyst is, is sort of? Do you think that Bill has closed the gap? Can I just say sorry that your Ali McCoyst impression is no gradle? <laughs> Listen. I, I, 
after I'll do it for you after Shug, all right? <laughs> I'm from East Kilbride. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to kind of unpack there, and I know we'll have a slightly longer discussion about this. So, yeah, and I think close the gap seems to be one of these terms that over the past couple of years in football is thrown around quite a lot across many leagues. But, you know, if you're asking the question, has Michael Beale come in and done a good job? Then I think the answer is yes. Unfortunately for him, the one game that he has got wrong was that League Cup final, which was obviously by far, you know, his biggest game as Rangers manager so far. So it will be far easier to judge in three or four months' time because if you're a pessimist, you would say, well, if Celtic win that Scottish Cup semi-final, then it's incredibly likely that they'll win a treble, whereas last year they didn't and Rangers reached a Europa League final and obviously won the Scottish Cup. So I think he's not, you know, in terms of closing the gap, are Rangers, you know, I'm more confident of Rangers playing Celtic than I was towards the end of Giovanni van Bronckhorst's reign. Of course I am, but admittedly the bar by the time mm-hmm. Gio left, as, as much as I like him, as you know, like the guy and the person, you know, the bar was kind of on the floor in that sense. Celtic were pretty dominant in most of his league mm-hmm. old firms. Um, so, yeah, I think I agree with the general sentiment of what Ali McCoy is saying. Michael Beale has come in and, and done a good job, but I think it's going to be a far easier statement to sort of unpack in a few months' time. Yeah, I think I think that's fair enough. Um, Shug, we've got Ian Mitchell here said not officially closed any gaps, but we now have confidence in the team which we didn't under Geo, which says a lot. I think that's that's a very very fair comment. It's Bill came in with a nine point gap. It's it's still there. We haven't really made headway on it. Um, do you do you agree with 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 not in a literal sense, but do you agree with Alan McCoy in terms of Rangers closing the gap? I always agree with Alan McCoist. Everything <laughs> Alan McCoist says, I'm in total agreement with. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think we, we can't, we couldn't possibly, the only game we could have possibly closed the gap in that nine points, so it's the old farm we drew to all that we should have won. Because uh, other than that, they've won every single game, and so have we. But, I mean, when was the last time we were on a run like this? We were winning and confident of winning, going into every game. Uh, I think Michael Beale's certainly earned. I know I want I want to stop them winning the treble and everything, but whatever happens in April in the cup semi final, I think he's certainly earned the opportunity to show that he can close the gap and overtake them uh, next season. Uh, it's, like I say, it wasn't his fault that we're nine points behind. Uh, but it is still yeah. going to take a lot of work, and we've we've got good players. We've got the making a good defence with Davis and Golds and them things. Yeah, something that was denied to Geo. You never got the two of them fit at the same time. I think that's made a huge difference. Uh, we need a new goalkeeper, uh, and then the midfield's looking exciting. Cantwell looked really good at the weekend. Yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. And Raskin, and if we can keep a hold of Tillman, I think that's a really exciting midfield going forward. So, yeah, but a couple of positions need strengthening, and I don't think Celtic aren't <clears throat> all in up to be. I'll never ever believe that Europe shows it, and the fact that the teams that get pumped by just get pumped in Europe, Leipzig and Shakhtar. So, 
uh, make out of the Champions League group with Scroff when it really wasn't. Uh, so <laughs> I don't think they are the be-all, end-all that they think they are. So I think about there to be overtaken. I think it is a case of keep being dominant and keep winning games against the Diddy teams in the league and then beating them in old forms and you win a league. That's it. It almost sounds simple there, Shug, doesn't it? Um, we've got a, a comment here from Robert Robertson. I'm just going to bring it up. It says, Ali is everything that Walker, Sutton, Hearts and Craig are not unbiased and unprofessional. And I think that that's a really excellent point. That's why we we love him and he's he's one of our own and he's one of the, the best, I think, best Scottish media pundit at the moment. Um, look, Adam, I just want to sort of stick in and around here, just pick apart a wee couple of interesting um, points from, from what Ali said. When he says here, you'll know himself, Michael has just got to, to tweak it a little bit. First of all, I'm a big fan of the the Michael. I'm not, I don't know if I, I like people calling the Rangers manager McBeal, even though I, I guarantee at some point in this podcast um, I'll, I'll end up straight into it and, and calling him that. But where do you where do you envisage those wee tweaks that, that he's talking about that, that he has to make? Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting one. And I think, obviously, McCoy is probably looking sort of longer term there because in terms of tweaks, it's, you know, I don't think, I mean, I love Alan McGregor and he is, in my lifetime, far and away the best goalkeeper I've ever seen wear a Rangers shirt. I don't personally remember Andy Gorham before anyone jumps onto that debate again. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, we don't have a, a goalkeeper that's going to win us the league, personally, in my opinion. And every team needs that. And then I think if you look at some of the other positions, obviously, you know, it's kind of well documented in that League Cup final. I think he got the midfield wrong, you know. So I think moving forward, does that mean we need to kind of think of a better and more consistent midfield? And then obviously up front, he's got decisions decisions to make. We've seen Cholak come in, you know, more regularly these past few weeks. It's looking more and more likely that Morelis and Kent are going to head, I mean, I've said on the podcast before that I think that Goldson announcement that we all remember so fondly was a, an exception rather than the rule. I think that's rare across, you know, football in, in general, not just not just Rangers, to see a player sign a contract that late. So unless we see something in the next couple of weeks from Kent and Morelis, I would be incredibly surprised. So I think it's just over the summer, he's just got those kind of little decisions to make that turn, you know, a consistent, decent Rangers side over this last six months into a title winning one. And I, I appreciate what Shug's saying, the sentiments that Celtic probably aren't, you know, the, the, no no team realistically is is not catchable. You know, if you have the right players and you get things right, then then that's the attitude you have to have. But ultimately, right now they do have players that are, are going to win them a title, and, and Rangers don't. And, and you know, as any Rangers fan will say, that sadly isn't where they want to be. So I think those are the kind of tweaks that he has to make. I think the mentality, to be fair to him, is has come back. I think we've seen that pretty quickly. I mean, the first game, even that Hibs game under Geo, would have been screaming for a two one loss. The Aberdeen game would would never have, I mean, I don't know if the Aberdeen game will ever happen again, to be honest. It was that rare a kind of event, the the 3-2 up in mm-hmm. So I think the mentality is certainly heading in the right direction. And it's just, um, yeah, just, just got to kind of make those tweaks across the sort of spine of the team. And I think hopefully as long as injuries can stay, you know, not as bad as they've been and should be able to make more of a push for the title. Yeah, no, it's, again, to- totally agree with you there. It's, it's a fair point. I think there is a wee couple of tweaks that we need to make. Um, Shug, I'll come to you here. Teddy Bears says, um, the difference is we wanted... Oh, sorry, wrong comment. I've actually brought it up there. It's, um, we can't rely on other teams taking points from them. We need to stick to winning runs and do everything 
um, to not get beat from from that mob. Um, something that Ali picked up in there, he said he's only dropped two points. That's excellent, absolutely excellent. I think it's 18, 18 games. I think it's our longest uh, away running uh, winning you know streak that we've had. I think it's about eight or nine games as well um, there. I mean, he has certainly come in and, and he's improved the team under Gio. It was it was lethargic, it was boring, it was, uh, I hate saying it, the, the horseshoe and the side to side. But, I mean, okay, maybe the at times the, the exciting football isn't isn't there, but but we are winning, we are we are scoring. And it was one of my biggest bugbears that we, we, we weren't doing the business away from home, but we seem to have really, really, really turned that around. Yeah, that's always going to be the key in Scotland that's beaten the current voter and Joe wasn't managing it. Uh, and that's where the big difference is because in theory we we lost the first old form of the season to them. So that's three points. But the other six points have appeared from somewhere. Uh, and it's dropping points against rubbish teams. Uh, I would say with Scottish football, I think the gap is getting bigger between Rangers and the rest, and well, Celtic as well. Definitely. So I think, I think well, going because I mean this season we can, both teams could finish on a hundred points, over hundred points. It's it's crazy when they used to win leagues with eighty points and things like that. And it's so I think that gap is getting bigger. So it's right enough the comment that we can't rely on other teams to take points off them. We've literally yeah. got to go, and we've got to win thirty four games in a season, and then we've got to take more points off them. Than they do off us in the other four games, uh, so the way that we're going to win the league, so it's it's terrible to think just how bad the standards got. But when you're seeing, I guess it's a realist reality check because our teams get gubbed in Europe every season, so I guess it's no shock that the standards dropping. Yeah, no, I to- totally agree. Agree with you there. Uh, the, the league has been really, really poor. Um, just going to bring out this comment because it made me laugh. GVB from Curry Muncher said the same feeling of passion you get if your granny used her tongue to give you a kiss. <laughs> That's absolutely fucking, but there we go. Um, and Adam, the last wee point in this before we move on because I'm, I'm, I think this is this is interesting. Callum, Callum C here says um, sometimes it does look like Geo's team playing need to sort that out. What do you what do you think about about that? I mean, it's just I mean he's had one. Well, not even a transfer window. Um, what what do you think about about that comment? Basically, that that is Geo's team. Basically, still, even though most of the players were were injured under Geo. Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately, he has inherited a team that was managed by Giovanni Van Bronckhorst, and so I think you know you see that with any manager, particularly ones that that take over halfway through a season. And I think particularly, I think it's it's odd sometimes looking at teams you know it's interesting to compare you know for example if a team is on the brink of relegation you know a manager comes in sort of gets them organized and and that's kind of the basics of what we associate it with obviously Rangers are at the complete opposite end of the spectrum where the manager comes in halfway through he's there long term he has to think of a and you know he's probably coming in because things aren't going well which thinks a whole new style of play and and the mentality needs to change so yeah I I do agree that there are times that it does look like Van Bronckhorst team and there's probably going to be team times the remainder of the season that that is going to be the case so you know we have to just sort of grin and bear that for now I would I would suggest because any manager is going to need time and, and I suppose we'll come on to this the important thing is that they don't and you know what listen let's not 
obviously things weren't good enough domestically. I'm not going to forget that these are the same group of players that under Giovanni Van Brockhorst were a penalty kick away from, you know, probably the biggest achievement, certainly in my lifetime, arguably in the club's history. So, you know, there are certainly elements of, of that team that are, you know, were clearly good. So, yeah, it's there's parts of it that's frustrating. There's times when they're not scoring goals or times when they're not perhaps consistently playing the way they are for 90 minutes. The Kilmarnock game a few weeks ago springs to mind, you know, where you're 3-0 at half time and you're thinking, you know, try and make this 5-6, close the goal difference. Yeah. But, um, you know, in general, I think that is just going to be the case and I wouldn't use that to criticise Michael Beale because he is going to need just time to, to change that and put his own his own stamp on things. Yeah, I think that's a interesting. But I think there's about ten games we could pick out in the last the last few that we said we could should have scored more goals to to, to close the the gap um, on on the goal difference there. But I don't think that's happening anytime soon, despite yeah. the the use of the word uh, relentless and and um, ruthless um, all the time. Look, Chug, look, let's um, get into the sort of meat of the the podcast here and and the sort of the banner and the title, and it's what does success look like for Rangers? And I've kind of left it a bit open. I'll be keen to get everybody in the comments thoughts on it. Um, I'm not, you know, maybe to what, looking from now towards the end of the season and maybe a wee bit looking into next season as well. My plan is, is to sort of split it up into to four bits. I want to talk about trophies. I want to talk about the players, the maybe the youth setup. Um, you know, a few opinions on that I've heard. Um, and obviously the the off field stuff, which I know everybody has has an opinion on, and having spoken to a couple of people um, about the off field stuff in the last few days, I I may have not a change of mind, but may have a, a look, looking at it in a slightly different par- perspective now. So, I mean, I'll come to you, Shug here. What what do you think about um, success for for Rangers? I mean, it's. I hate saying it until it's absolutely mathematically done, but I think even since Beal came in, the league was possibly out of reach. They think that it was unfortunate in that old firm game for for the one one draw. It was it was gutting to to lose such a late goal, but um, the Scottish Cups are it's I mean it's silly even saying it, but it's an absolute must, isn't it? Yeah, if we're talking about success, then winning the Scottish Cup and closing the gap on them between now and the end of the season. I think that would be a success. Yeah, get the monkey off our back with an old farm games that seems to get passed back and forward just now. We went so long without beating them and then we went so long without losing to them and now it seems to win back again. Uh, so, yeah, I think we need to start beating them, uh, close that gap. I can't see he's winning the league, even if we win the two old firms. I don't even see them dropping three points uh, mm-hmm. in any other games. So, well, it needs to be four, I think, because of the goal difference. But, yeah, closing the gap and winning the Scottish Cup, I think, would be a success for Bill. I think if he'd offered that at the start, he might have taken it. Yeah, I, I agree there. There's a few comments coming in here about it. Ian Mitchell says, Scottish Cup and keep the league gap in single figures. Uh, Rangers loyalist is the same. The Scottish Cup is a must and close the gap. Teddy Bears here has said, and keen to get your thoughts on this, Adam, it said it can't be regarded as a success by winning a cup. Come on now, I, I, I get that. I'm trying to look at it in... You know, not the season as a whole. I, I know this is difficult as a as a Rangers supporter trying to be semi optimistic <laughs> about things, but you know, if you're if you're breaking it down and 
and looking what Beal's got to work with. I mean, I'm assuming you're you're largely agreeing with it, but it's a wee interesting. I, I mean, is I mean, it's, it doesn't really mean anything, but is getting the goal difference down important? And and that's something we've just talked about. Yeah, I mean, I think, that, and not to sort of rephrase your, your question, Kyle, because it is a good question, but you almost, you're right, you have to look at it as what is success for Rangers from the point that Michael Beale came in because he can't do anything about what's come before him. And we're in a position where, as Chug was talking about, Rangers could feasibly have won all three old firms. And unless, you know, mathematically, I think if Celtic had just kept winning with the goal difference, and it looks like they are going to keep winning, they might still have not won the league. He was literally mm-hmm. at a point where because of the consistency against the other teams, the league was almost completely out of reach in that sense. So I think for Beal, the only thing that he could do, you know, the maximum he could have got was a cup double. Sadly, that isn't going to happen. Or it's obviously not going to happen. League Cup's done now. Yeah. So, you know, the, the next trophy is the Scottish Cup. So I think if he wins that, then you have to consider it a successful season within the context of the manager leaving. If you ask me next year, Michael Beale's been here a full season, he's had the full year and we're still this far behind, say the League Cup's not been lost and we're again sitting here saying, can we sort of salvage a Scottish Cup and go again? And that's a completely different conversation. And I think, as you say, I don't want to sort of rephrase the question because it does make sense, but when I think about what is success for Rangers in this sort of current time period over the next few months, then it is that Scottish Cup. And yes, closing the gap would be good and getting the goal difference down would also be good. You never know. Sometimes things can happen. If Celtic wrap up the league or, you know, and then maybe points are dropped elsewhere, that, that can happen. So I think the main priority is the Scottish Cup. Get another trophy in the bag and just start fresh again in the summer, really. That's that's the way I'm, I'm thinking about it. And then we can have a conversation about what long-term success looks like because that is perhaps slightly different. Yeah, Again, AG with a with a really good comment here. He said it wouldn't be a successful season for the club, but it would be a successful season for Bill, which I think is a a very very fair point. I think given how especially how I mean, I keep forgetting how early into his actual managerial tenureship that he is, and um, and if to get a cup out and one out of two cup finals would, would I think would be a decent return. We could. I wouldn't say it was successful for Rangers, but I would be happy for for Bill, and it would just be nice to to get our hands on a trophy and maybe maybe actually go to a, a final or a, <laughs> a game at Hamden um, this year as well. Um, look, Shug, looking at it, and this is the one that I think may take a a wee while to to discuss in in terms of looking at the players that have been been a success or looking for them. Um, who who do you think has been successful so far i mean i'm i'm trying to look at some i mean some of the players that even even geo brought in forgetting you know guys like ridvan now we've seen that i mean okay it's only been 60 minutes of them um guys like lawrence that i think people are forgetting about seeing suter in a bit more i know we've had this discussion about the the back three um and obviously since then uh, raskin and, and, and cantwell have come in um would you see these guys as a success is there people that you don't see as a success Matondo. It's not been a success. Matondo's there, uh, but who was the last right wing or Rangers signed that was a success? Uh, no, I think I think we've got the makings a good squad. Uh, I think I don't really. I'm not sure how to say it, but Kent Morelos. And especially Moreno's have had so much love for over the years, but it's almost like we need to sort of get rid of players and start afresh. Uh, 
I know that won't be cheap, but I mean, it's RFC 72, I think it was still my thunder early on when we were talking about it's still Gio's team, it's still Gerard's team. Yeah. It's, it's, there's so many players that have just been there for so long and they've, so many of them have not been successful. I would never consider our Rangers players career to be a success with one league and one Scottish Cup. So there's a lot of that that maybe needs looked at. Uh, a lot of fringe players that probably need driven out the door uh, and allow some of possibly these youth players that we've got coming through uh, that are quite exciting to try and open up that route for them because no harm. I don't want to see Scott Wright coming off the bench. I want to see one more young players coming off the bench. I know that hurts you, Kyle, but I don't want to see Scott Wright <laughs> coming off the bench. Uh, I'd rather look towards the future, and I guess that's. I've even I've choked Kyle. Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, we'll... season. Uh, I think that getting some of our young players in and amongst the games. We need to get Redman <laughs> into some sort of form, get him some game time and stuff like that. Borner's maybe another one that, I don't think it's in a bad season, but it's maybe one that has to move on. But, yeah, there's... Ross Wilson's got a lot of work to do. Yeah, you can you can say that. Again, um, yeah, I think you've obviously been watching the pods away back in Canada. I was fearing the worst when I was on a podcast talking about Red Van coming back in um, and basically trying to say that I'm in total agreement with you if we're looking forward to this sort of player trading model type thing. Barisic is a guy that we have to consider selling next year with. I think he's got coming up to the last sort of 14 months of his his contract. Um, <clears throat> and we've got to be cashing in on him. Um, yeah, there's a few comments coming here. Aldo McNaught says it'll be good to retain something for a change. Um, I said there's a, a few comments here about, about Matondo, um, which I'll maybe come on to. <laughs> I'll give you an easy one here, Adam. Um, AG says Matondo's a baller. I, I think he's actually joking about this, but I'm only going to bring this up because I, I have heard a couple of people saying that when he's fit, that people are willing to give him a, a chance and a, and a build team. And the, and the sort of comparison for that is... is has been Sakala in terms of his pace and, and his goal contributions. I mean, is there, there is there any hope about Matondo or are we just going to end this conversation stone dead right there, Adam? I mean, honest opinion from what I've seen of Rabi Matondo, I don't think he's anywhere near good enough for what's required for Rangers. And I would echo everything that Shug said. You know, we'd, we'd rather have, you know, we'd rather sort of let Matondo... I'd almost rather lose him for less money, because that is likely, if we're going to sell them this summer, that's what's going to happen. I'd be amazed if they recuperate the fee. But mm-hmm. the sort of gain rather than money in that sense would be more opportunities for a youngster to come off the bench rather than someone who, you know, no harm to the guy. But unless there's a vast improvement, which would be a miracle, there's no long-term benefit to Rangers. There's not a financial benefit. There doesn't seem like there's going to be any benefits on the pitch either. Mm-hmm. So what's the point in just sort of having him around if he's not only a squad player but an ineffective squad player. Shug mentioned Scott Wright and I do agree but at least in his time at Rangers Scott Wright has provided some decent moments. I mean he scored the winning goal in the Scottish Cup final or or sealed the Scottish Cup final. Mm -hmm. So I think that yeah I can't see any way back for Rabi Matondo and and as I say no no harm to the guy but it doesn't seem like it's, it's going 
very well for him and I can't see any way back. And if that's going to be at the expense of a young player, then there's a lot wrong with that for me. Yeah. Um, Boko uh, here says 28k a week. Allegedly, I know we've all seen that sort of, um, <clears throat> what do we call it, the big spreadsheet that had all the the wages and, and stuff like that on it. And if, if that's true, it is absolutely shocking, but he must be sitting rubbing his hands. But yes, yeah, I'm in total agreement with you there. As I just thought I brought it up because I, I saw it in the comments. And um, yeah, for what it's worth, I, I don't I don't know if Matondo's future is at Rangers. And I think that we will maybe come on to successes in terms of off-the-field stuff <laughs> later on. But that's certainly not been one of them. Um, Shug, the next sort of wee aspect to, to maybe look at this. And again... It's really interesting to see what people's comments on it. You touched on it a wee bit there, but it's the the youth setup, especially for for, for this season so far. Um, the sort of three players were Divine King Lowry. I think we were all expecting him to make a bit of a headway into the team so far this year. We know King featured quite a lot. You know, maybe left out to to dry a wee bit in the Champions League with with the the injury crisis that we had at, at centre back. Um, but do you think, uh, yeah, what, what have you made of, of this so far? Were you expecting these guys to feature a bit more or or anything like that? Uh, I think Michael Beale said something a couple of weeks ago about Leon King and he's probably played the amount of minutes they're probably talking about for him for the season, but played it in that short period of time when we all lumbered with all the injuries. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how many, but he must have about 20 games under his belt this season, which is probably <laughs> what you'd expect an 18-year-old. Uh, Divine, I don't remember being big talk. He seemed to get flung in and did a he did a job uh, when we were missing my fullbacks. Uh, and the fact that Tav's still playing every single minute, even when he's not been informed, he's still playing every single minute. I don't know how how much that looks towards Divine actually being a backup. And I've seen this link with a right back from America the last day. Somebody yep. else did win. The new Matt Polster. Came <laughs> in, sit for a year or two and do nothing except have a gorgeous wife. <laughs> but, uh, so I'm not sure about Divine. And Lowry's obviously, his season's been a disappointment from the, the alleged falling out in the summer and then getting injured and then getting injured again. Yeah, I'm sure his season's not went the way the club himself or the fans had expected. So it's been a bit disappointing in that front. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, I guess in the next few weeks, I'd like to see players that Michael Beale think are going to be part of the squad next season, like Leon King getting some minutes, getting some time. John Suter has to come on and get some time as well. I'm aware of that. Mm. Uh, I think we stopped running Goldson and Tavernier into the ground. Uh, I think we've did that for too long. And it'll only last for so long. So I think it's important when we get a couple of goals up on teams, which we're doing now, uh, sometimes, uh, that we do bring on players that maybe don't expect to get too many minutes. uh, And rest for better players because that could be part of the reason why Tav's form seems to dip so much is because he's just constantly playing, never mm-hmm. sits out, never gets a rest. I'd like to see Tav in here now that he's went over that 30-year-old that he does need to take a break, he does need to set out games, he does mm-hmm. need to start games against 
Mother Waller Roast County and things like that. Adam Devine showing oh. over this season that he's more than capable of playing against Dortmunds. Yeah, well, I don't know. Sorry, I was going to add very quickly there. Like, if you look back to that season that Stephen Davis won Player of the Year under under Gerard, you know we've seen there the benefits of. I'm fairly certain, if I remember rightly, Davis was taken in and out of the team. Now, I'm not saying that Tavernier at his peak is, you know, Tavernier versus Davis are different positions, etc. But the principle of that the impact that that could have on Tavernier, who's just, I mean, I, I struggle to criticise the guy, to be honest, the sheer amount that he plays. I'm not saying he's immune from criticism, but he just mm-hmm. dragged Rangers through it so many times. So I think it's it's not just, I think people maybe hear that and they think, well, you think Tavernier should come out of the squad? Yes, but for his sake, because I think it'll have a better impact on his form longer term, and we have seen that in the past with, with players when they get taken in and out. Yeah, no, Total agreement uh, with you there. As I said, Darren Nock here says Divine should have been given more game time, um, and it, it's really hard to disagree with that. I was just—I was actually just laughing at Shug there because he said that Tav shouldn't be playing against uh, teams like Motherwell, but he, he did score a free kick and, and put the assist in for us <laughs> at the weekend. Hundred uh, percent acknowledge that, but we shouldn't be needing Tav to be scoring free kicks and assisting for us in these sort of games. We should be more than good enough to go to relegation teams and harm them. Yeah, no, listen, I I, to, I I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I think you've made a, a really, really excellent point. I mean, I, I totally understand, you know, where Golton's coming from with his with his off-the-field issues, with, with his heart and all that stuff, and obviously he wasn't playing for a couple of years. I get that, that you want to play every game. I also get that, that Tav is, is the captain of the club. You know, people, you know, he's the standard bearer, um, and, he, and he brings... Ugh, you know that we could have that eternal argument about what type of captain is is Shug. I know uh, I was in a pod with with JB at the weekend there, and he said you're not going to get the you know the the um the butcher headband with the with the you know blood coming all down it and and the Richard Goff you know shouting at people and and going absolutely through people and stuff like that. But I I think there is a a time where the management have to step in and say, look, I know it's admirable that you guys want to play, but for it's it's not about them. It's about it's about the squad as a whole. Guys like Divine have to be filling in there because I've I've been very very pleasantly surprised by Divine, especially in that we stint that he had it. He looked brilliant at left back. If I'm being honest, and it's not it's not even his position. Um, something something here um, that I was going to say um, uh, as well, Adam was it, it was a comment. I've actually lost it now, but it was saying that. Um, Maybe just looking ahead, what do you think about Tav playing playing a bit further forward with with Divine playing in behind him? Do you think that's something that we could maybe see um, Rangers doing next season at least, or, or well, it's not going to happen this season? Um, my honest opinion would be would be no, just because I don't think the solution to further up on the right hand side is pushing Tavernier up there. I understand where the comment is coming from, but. He's not a winger, so I don't really see what use it would be pushing him up. I think the best way forward for Tavernier is, and it's, it doesn't need to get taken out for I, you know, two, three, four games unless he's injured or, or his form really merits it. One game every now and then, I think you see it often. It's, it's extraordinary the impact that that can make. I mean, you can see it. You see it in teams all the time. It doesn't take. It just takes one ninety-minute breather and then it can have a huge impact on them just to, to come back so fresh, especially, you know, say Rangers are 
you know, going to a team that's 11th, 12th in the league and at the weekend they've got an old firm or they've got Hearts away, Hibs away, whoever it might be, you know, to have him rest for that game and then come back in for a game against stronger opposition, I think would be a real benefit. But to return to the original question, no, I, I don't think he will we'll see him pushed up high. Yeah, that is I, that is a, a much better answer to, to that question than, than the one that I just asked there. That makes much more sense there, Adam. Um, look, and the final thing about the youth players, Shug, I'll come on to you here. Um, Teddy Bear says, what's happening with Lowry? He obviously has potential, but if his attitude is as bad as it's been reported, then, then getting him out on loan... I mean, we've all been there. We've all been at Irox. We've all seen him on the on the TV and stuff like that. He has looked a real player. Um, mentioned that I know the um, I think it's the under 17s or under 18s. have got a game coming up on the second of April uh, against the uh, it's an old firm game at Ibrox. Um, I know Lowry scored an absolute screamer of a goal in that game. Um, what what if, where is Alex Lowry this season? And, and if his attitude is as bad as what it has been reported, do you agree with that comment? And Shift them out on loan. I think he's injured again. I seem to remember something. He picked up something because I don't think he's playing for the B team or anything just now. So he must be injured if he's not in the B team. Uh, <laughs> we could discuss this in the pod chat because there's an element that believe that loaning players out is not the thing to do. But I believe that loaning Alex Lowry out would be the right thing to do. I also believe loaning Leon King out would be the right thing to do, as long as it's at the right standard, the right level. Uh, I don't see any point in loaning players to League 2 and League 1 and things like that, uh, going and playing in formations that they're never going to play at Rangers and grounds they're never going to play. But I think Alex Lowry, Leon King, they're more than good enough to get loans in the SPFL or even the Championship in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think they're both good enough to get that, uh, but maybe Alex Lowry needs to see the the other side of the game, the the not so glamorous stuff, the not turning up at Ibrox, not playing in front of fifty thousand fans every other week and stuff like that, and see what where his future could lie if he doesn't knuckle down and get his head in the game because it was something that he'll regret all his days, I'm sure, if he doesn't. Yeah, so, But it's all speculation. For all we know, maybe Gio was a bit asked towards Lowry and it's the other way around, but mm-hmm. uh, you start to worry when it's two managers in a row that are saying similar things and dishing out similar treatment. Well, that's that's that exactly, isn't it? It's um, AG here says in regards to Alec Lowry, he said there's too many players in that position now. He's nowhere near the level of Tillman, Cantwell, or Lawrence, and it's a shame to say it, but I think I think he is right, and I think if you've got all three of those guys firing and fit, I, I think he struggled to see where Lowry fits in that team. Um, look, I'll, I'll come to you, Adam, on, on the last uh, sort of section of this what what do we define as success for for rangers looking forward and, and for the rest of the season and it is is uh, the, the the light topic of all all the off field stuff here um obviously uh, there's been many pods on uh, on the protests and, and what we all think of those and and you know I, i'll say it again I, I support those guys right to protest regardless of what the board think and and you know they shouldn't be choosing what goes in and, and out the club as long as it doesn't Cross a, a certain line. As I said, we're, we're paying fans, we're, we're paying customers at the end of the day. I suppose if that's the way the board are looking at it, and <clears throat> if we want to be heard at a game, you've got to let us hear at the game. But where where do you sit in this whole um, Wilson and and and, and um, Robertson stuff as well? Do you think 
what how would you deem them to be successful and 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 i'm i'm really interested to see all the comments we'll get in from this one as well yeah i imagine there's going to be a lot of comments on this i mean i would firstly like to just echo everything that you said there kyle that the fans have every right to voice their opinion and, and make their voice heard at games just as everyone that perhaps disagrees with those sentiments that were expressed on the banners has their their right to make their thoughts heard on it that's the right of every individual fan i think you know you talk about the success and i always think that at board level and we see this across so to give you a sort of strange example right now over the past year I've heard a lot less criticism of Man United's board, for example. Now, I know they're going through a sale and you can't compare clubs like that, but the minute Ten Hag came in, they started playing a bit better, they started winning trophies, your focus becomes on the football team and I think that distracts. Now, obviously, yes, Ross Wilson has a huge influence on what that football team looks like. Mm-hmm. So, if you're asking me what I would like to see happen, I think we may as well get through this summer and give Michael Beale a full season one full season and see where we are and you know should we as I said earlier about a separate talk about if we're having similar conversations this time next year then yeah he might the decision might be I don't really know you know he might make, make the decision himself at that point and realize it's it's not the way forward but there's been a lot of change at the club and you kind of said it earlier a January transfer window you know it's very different from the summer it's quite hectic you're not getting the same time for a player to come in settle etc etc um, that's not to say that players in a January window can't have a huge impact in either a positive or a negative way, but yeah. there is a huge difference in, in the windows. So, yeah, at the end of the day, this summer is huge. This time next year, if Rangers have won the first trophy of the season and they're still in a fight for the title, then we're probably not going to be talking about Ross Wilson as much, which ultimately is what we want. You know, We want to be talking about the players on the pitch and the success that we want to see them having. So that is ultimately how they will always and should be judged. And I think that if you look at that January window just gone, compared to the January window last year, which, I mean, I can't go back down that rabbit hole, <sighs> quite frank, because that was just a, a disaster. You look at it this year, they've signed Raskin. They've also got, I remember being on the podcast, Raskin was a huge one for me because there was a lot of, you know, that because we could have got him on a pre-contract, couldn't we? But there was this kind yep. of thing that, you know, there was other teams about, they've clearly thought, no, that's the player we want, let's just get him because the long-term benefit of perhaps paying a bit more, you know, yeah, figures will get thrown around, etc. but the long-term benefit of just paying more and getting them in is the main thing. So, and Cantwell's obviously looking sharp as well. So, you know, there's been a vast improvement from one January to the next. If they get a Scottish Cup and we're optimistic going into the summer, give them the summer, go on next season and then go from there. That would be my suggestion. But that is not to say, as we said earlier, that, that, these fans aren't making valid points at the games. Yeah, no, again, very hard to disagree with anything you've you've said there, Adam, which is unusual for me being on a, a podcast yeah. with, <laughs> with Mrs. Ibrooks. But, Shug, I, I mean, I'll ask you the exact same question about that. I mean, where where do you stand in terms of, of, of Robertson and, and Wilson? I mean, are you... Do you think that they have been a failure? Do you think that... Are you looking to give them a bit more time or... I mean, where do you sit on it? Because I know you've not been on in a while. You've been stuck over in, in uh, Canada. So um, I'm sure you've got plenty to say about it, Shug. Yeah, well, uh, I was a Ross Wilson fan initially, but realistically, we've had one good transfer window in January and we'll try to 
paint over things when realistically if we want to put out our best team tomorrow, how many of them players aren't from back in Gerard's days and early Gerard days? Mm-hmm. Uh, the managerial appointments there down to Rose Wilson as well. So he was the one that was a big saying getting due in and that obviously failed. Yeah, I know Michael Beale came out and defended him and said there's a lot that we don't know the job that he does, but something the board and Stuart Robertson himself has said is best in class. Arguably, where are we best in class within the club? Because yeah. messages going out towards supporters and things like that, we're not very good at that. Yeah. We're not being very clear about things. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff. The MyJers thing seems to be, I know that's not Ross Wilson, although it might be Ross Wilson because we don't know exactly what Jomi does, but the MyJers thing's something that's not went down well. Uh, that was obviously harping back since Adam wants to remind us the last January's transfer window. I'll remind <laughs> us about the, the friendly in Australia. Uh, I just I don't know where we are based in class, the medical department. Dr. Waller left, we never seem to replace him. Uh, can't remember his name, Andy something, the chief scout, scolded, wasn't it? Yep. He left, we never seem to replace him. <laughs> uh, seems to be a lot of appointments missing from off the field. Uh, a lot of the stuff that did improve off the field when we got the kitchen and everything so that the players could eat at Ibrox and we changed the changing room and stuff like that. That seemed to be a Gerard led thing rather than a yeah. Ross Wilton led thing. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what Ross Wilson does. Uh, the scouting department seems poor. Yeah, we got Raskin from Belgium. Well, we identified Robbie Matondo playing on the left wing in Belgium and bought him as a right winger. Uh, but yeah, Belgium's a market we seem to keep going to. Cantwell's from Lower League England, another market we keep going to. So. I don't know. John Park was brought in. He was supposed to have all these contacts and things like that. But like I say, we're still shopping in the same markets and they're not cheap markets. Uh, being linked with players that have moved to, I would say, medium-sized clubs and then mm-hmm. you're expecting to pay two, three, four million pounds for players when if we'd have beat the medium-sized clubs to the players, we'd have got them for a few hundred grand and things like that. So <laughs> I think there's a lot of work still to be done and I think if the club want to defend Rose Wilson, they should maybe come out and tell us exactly what his job is and what he is responsible for. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to throw my football manager experience into what my director of football does, or sporting director. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, if they want to defend him, they should maybe let us know exactly what he's doing and what he's done because it appears to me very little. Yeah, no, 100, 100%. I said that was saying the exact same thing in Sunday's podcast about the. I think we just need to know what the bloody hell he actually does. Um, I, since then, though, I have had a think, and I've actually talked to, to, a, to a friend who's quite sensible in terms of when it comes to Rangers, and no, it's not Craig Dennett before anybody else uh, asks or, or, or thinks that. Um, there's a comment here that, that I'm going to bring up from Curry Muncher. He says, there's been more fails and successes on Wilson's signing. My main bugbear with Wilson that he's front and centre when everything is going right, but goes into hiding when it goes wrong. And again, I can I could not agree with that anymore. We all remember the Aaron Ramsey and how pleased he looked with himself. And then there was nothing, no, excuse me, contrition or, or anything at the end of the season. But the discussion that I was having is that 
and Adam, I'll, I'll come to you on this and, and get your thoughts on it. Is with it's not as simple as looking at it. It's much more complex than just he's got the final say in, in terms of these guys. And I don't think anybody listening or watching into this is under the illusion that it is as simple as that. But you've got to look at it in terms of it's the um, you know director of football and the manager that, and you've got to look at it in terms of Gerard and Wilson. You've got to look at it in terms of Gio and Wilson, and now you've got to look at it as Bill and Wilson, and and that. I I think the Gerard Wilson there was some some successes, some some not so successes in there. I think we should be in agreement in saying that just Gio and Wilson just didn't work at all. Um, but you look at it, we've had, I mean, a bit of a window as we said. We've already discussed the difficulty of the January transfer compared to the summer transfer. And Rangers loyalists here said Cantwell and Raskin were, were two brilliant players that he's brought in very early days. But I I would struggle to find anybody that would disagree that would say that those two have not come in and, and made an improvement in our squad. Because for me, the midfield was was the area that, that we needed to improve on. And it appears between Wilson and, and Bill that they've gone out and, and addressed it. Yeah, I think the thing is as well for me, Carl, I'm a huge believer in it and always will be that you know ultimately you do always have to look at yourself first and that comes to players and managers yes Wilson is accountable and should be but you know there are players under Giovanni Van Bronckhorst who have gone through a significant improvement since Beal has come in the style of play that Van Bronckhorst is putting in and tactically to be honest there were times where I don't think that it would have mattered which 11 were on the pitch if we were playing the way we were playing against some teams we wouldn't have scored regardless because the style of play just wasn't good enough. So I'm sort of somewhere in the in the middle with it. And, you know, I probably accused of sort of sitting on the fence in that sense. But I think, you know, the first two big signings that we've made so far have been a success. Yes, Cantwell and Raskin will, of course, be judged long term on how many trophies they pick up at Ibrox. But so far, they've looked to have made a positive impact. As you said, we've been crying out for the midfield to be addressed. And it has been. So it's a positive start and you have to just look at it. I know it's difficult to separate what's happened before. And I say separate, not forget, because those things still happened last January, as we mentioned, all the things that the Shug listed as well off, off the pitch. But I think a lot of people as well, I think they've seen this in the comments, is this summer and, you know, by, as I keep saying about this time next year, by this Christmas, we'll probably have a much better idea where we are. <laughs> with Ross Wilson and, and with the new manager. And when managers are constantly changing, it's it's a kind of hard thing, I, I think, to talk about because you're constantly in your mind thinking, right, we need to start fresh. The manager needs time to get their players in and then we'll go back and judge the board, etc. So I think if we get to our third manager and things still aren't working out, then yeah, we need to go back and, and look higher up at, at Ross Wilson as well as the manager and the players. So, yeah, there's so much that must go on behind the scenes that we don't know about. So there's so much. We don't even know what the guy does, really. We've been talking about that as well. So there's so it's a very difficult thing to, to talk about. And we can only talk really about the thing that matters most to us, which is our Rangers winning football games and winning trophies. And that starts with the right recruitment. And if they get that right in the summer and we have this conversation again, Christmas time or so, then then we'll have a much better idea of, of where we are with Ross Wilson, I think. It's a very difficult thing to sort of put into words, I think. <laughs> A hundred percent. I'm going to try and do that, but yeah. uh, with, with Teddy Bear's comment here, because I think this is where I'm in the sort of same agreement with you there, Adam, in terms of this is Wilson's last chance in the summer. We would know by Christmas, probably before, if he got it right or not. 
I mean, I can't believe on on Sunday I was all for you know the whole board going, Wilson going, Robertson going, all that sort of stuff. But you know, taking a step back and and having a look at it, you know, calming down a wee bit, I maybe have thought it has been so far successful with those two coming in. Do, do you agree on this uh, shrug in terms of that it, it has to be after the summer? Like it's the summer, and if it's if it's not a success by Christmas, he has to go. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. I think. I think it's too late to change it now. Uh, the position that we're in just now, I think summer targets are already identified. Uh, we know that Beal said that he knows the striker he wants uh, and that he wouldn't be available until the summer. So we've already identified targets. So I imagine there's been a lot of work going on in that. Uh, but we've got to get more right than wrong this summer. We've got to hit the ground running next season because... If we drop points early again at the start of next season, we're going to be in the same position. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's a big summer for everybody. Uh, like I say, and you said, I would just like, if Wilson wants to defend himself, let's let's put his job out there on what exactly he's doing because from the outside, it looks like we've went backwards off the field. since Certainly since Gerard left, we've seen we went backwards. Medical, scouting, everything seems to went backwards. So, as well as players on the park, we've not replaced. We've still got the same right back from before. Gerard, Goldson, McGregor still in goals. Morelos is still up front. Kent's still playing in the left. Still picking from Kamara in the middle with Jack. So the spine of the team is still the same. So we'll wait and see what happens. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer. I look forward to talking all about it. That's that exactly. I think you know it wouldn't it wouldn't be Rangers if, if it wasn't you know split down the middle and RFC seventy two again. It, it's a great point. I mean, I, I'll be honest. I will I go back and forward between this. This is this is Wednesday. The next time I'll be on over next Wednesday, I might have a totally different opinion yeah. um, on the whole thing. And it said, "Use are prepared to take the chance and him failing again and throwing away another season. Not for me. Change has to happen now." All I'm saying about that RFC seventy two is that if again if you're taking it like that, I would say the Buell-Wilson partnership could be a success. And I, I, we'll leave it at that. So I know we're past our mark, but there's just, and I, I don't like it, not the negativity, but I know it's such a good conversation to have around the club. But there's one last wee thing that sort of really, really caught my eye this week. And it was about Zach Lovelace, of all people. Adam, I'll, I'll come to you here. First of all, I thought it was massive that basically someday within a, a Rangers youth setup was being called up to the international squad at English level. I think, I was going to say, it doesn't happen very often, couldn't happen. And then I remembered, I think it was Archie Stevens, <laughs> who also plays for Rangers, was actually called up, a, I think, a couple of, of, of breaks ago. But, um, I mean, I was having a wee look at his, his stats and stuff like that. Um, I mean, he's played uh, 36 times in the sort of lone league, he's a couple of games of the Challenge Cup, obviously made his League Cup debut this year, um, he's 36 games, 18 goals and and 10 um, assists. I know there's been a lot of chat about Alfredo Morelos um, and stuff, you know, leaving this season, but I mean, is the answer at Rangers' door already with, with Zach Lovelace? Yeah, well, I mean, we're not going to know until he gets a game consistently, I suppose, for Rangers, but just to kind of take it on the positive note, it's fantastic that he has been called up at that level. And, you know, over these past few years, England 
um, particularly at youth level, I think recently have had tremendous success. We've seen some of the players they've brought through and we know the, the standard that it takes to get in there. So he's, he's clearly a very well thought of young striker and he's got the world at his, his feet, you know, just hope that we don't sort of hype him up, you know, because I remember wasn't so long ago we were talking about should Alex Lowry be in the team and now we're having conversations about realistically is he actually going to last at Rangers so yeah. I suppose there's an element of, of caution there but just for the here and now it's just fantastic to see and all the best to him for his internationals and and yeah you know you never know sometimes the answer is staring you in your face is the difference between not signing players and not signing them because you're putting your faith in homegrown and well, by homegrown I mean literally Rangers talent yeah and chug look I'll, I'll just end I'll, I'll ask you a similar question are you are you of a similar opinion to, to to adam there in terms of it's a bit too early or am i like i i love you know youth football and and i love nothing more than seeing guys from from the rangers youth come through i mean i don't know if that's just <clears throat> it's not my era but like a, a lot of people's rangers heroes i mean ferguson in, in particular you know he's the the quintessential came through the youth and, and captained the club. I'm just, I would really like somebody to come through and have an impact like that. I mean, would you say that Zach Lovelace is a guy that Rangers could potentially be using next season to solve this if Alfredo does go? Yeah, I mean, he's the, the management team are well aware of him. They've paid him in the league cup and stuff, so he's he's had first team appearance and I'm sure the squad they know all about him, but. I would temper my expectations too soon because we did have a striker crisis and he wasn't getting on the bench during that. Uh, so I'm not sure how far away he is from first-team football, certainly first-team football for Rangers. It's a big jump. I mean, Leon King was going to be the greatest thing ever and he struggled and he's a couple of years older than, or a year older than what Sakas or Sakarai as I've seen when he was listed in England. 17 squad, uh, Zachariah. Uh, so, I mean, it's a tough position being a striker and playing for Rangers as a striker and sometimes as a lone striker role, it could be difficult. But, yes, definitely somebody we've got to... If England are playing him at under-17 level, then we've got to be looking at trying to get him involved. And certainly next season, like I said earlier on in the pod, well, hopping back too much. I'd rather see Sack Lovelace coming off the bench than Scott Wright. Sorry to hurt you again, Kyle. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, I would far rather see a Sack Lovelace coming off the bench and getting 10 minutes at the end of a game to try and introduce. And I think it gets the fans on side as well. The board and Ross Wilson want heat taken off them. Well, an easy way is to get young players in playing in a winning team. So maybe they should speak to Michael Beale and see if he can make that happen. No, again, I, I think you've hit on another fantastic point there in terms of we need to be capitalising. We have not been, not cashing in on guys when they've been at their peak, but I mean, they, you're no rubbish if you're getting called up for the under-17 squad at, at international level for, for England. So it's, if other people are seeing it and about them, I mean, there must be, I don't doubt for a second that there'll be clubs sniffing about him. Because he'll be 18 next year, I mean, that's... You can certainly see maybe lower championship. Well, he was playing in the lower championship level for, for, for Millwall with England. I know he had a few games there, especially when he was 15. So, yeah, a guy that I think has got a very, very exciting future ahead of him. And hopefully that is at Rangers. But listen, just want to say thanks to everybody for, for tuning in today and, and watching. Um, that was certainly a, an interesting discussion as always. But I just want to thank my guests. Adam, pleasure having you on. Yeah, thanks very much, man. 
Good to see you. And uh, you as well, Shug. Yeah, it's a joy being back. That's it. And um, yeah, just to let everybody know, um, we are going to be taking a wee break um, over the international. They'll be have the pleasure of me again on next Wednesday. Um, but in the meantime, I know there's certainly 2023 um, World Wheelchair Curling Championship highlights that you can go and check out on YouTube for that, guys. Because as far as I'm concerned, there's nothing else going on for, for, <laughs> for the next week until Rangers are back at uh, Ibrox um, on the 1st of April against Dundee United. But listen, thanks very much, everyone, for tuning in. Remember, like and subscribe in the usual places. And pleasure talking to you all and interacting with you all in the comments again. Oh, yeah, yeah.